Time to talk sport, and we are welcoming to talk sport uh, RNZ's Jamie Wall, who is right next to me in the Auckland studio. G'day. Hey, mate. How you doing? Oh, it's, it's just sensational. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is a great time to talk sport, isn't it? It, it is. If it, you know, it's late night. Yeah, yeah. yeah usually I do this like first thing in the morning, but this, this is quite a nice change of pace. You know? So... We're going to get cracking by chatting a bit about sports washing, which is a word that, I don't know, maybe it's become a little, maybe it's been used so much in the context of sport that it's it's almost lost some of its mean, meaning or impact. You were nodding there and then you stopped. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it's it, it's getting to a point where it just kind of gets tossed out there just to be synonymous with what's happening, particularly with What's happening in Saudi Arabia at the moment? Oh, and the go- the Gulf states themselves, you know, Qatar hosting the Football World Cup, that sort of thing. But really, it's something that's been around for a long time. And you know, we had in New Zealand uh, with the uh, the Springbok tour mm. back in nineteen eighty one, and the tours before that. That was that was what that was all, all about. I don't think the word had been sort of conjured up no. back then, but you can draw a direct line between that and what's happening now. Uh, I, I think, uh, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it's been around for a while, but it's certainly not going away. I can and, tell you that much. And I mean, you you drew the example of New Zealand involvement with sports washing then, and, and maybe it's something that we have felt that we have avoided, that we have a sort of a more pure attitude towards sport for, for, in a certain way. Maybe we're naive enough to to hmm. think that, but um, that is being called into question by of all people, Joseph Parker. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I think if New Zealand is naive enough to believe that we're not involved in this sort of thing, well, yeah, we just had one of New Zealand's top sporting moments, definitely of last year. Just just happened a few weeks ago, actually. Mm. You know, Joseph Parker up there uh, beating Deontay Wilder up in Riyadh, picking up a nice, cool ten million dollars uh, in doing so, and setting himself up for what will most likely be, well, he's definitely fighting there again yeah. uh, in March and uh, most likely there again after that. Uh, and so, you know, all of our eyes are going to be on what Joseph Parker can achieve in, in 2024. Obviously, he's a, he's a great athlete. He's a great uh, ambassador for his, his community there. And, but, you know, all of a sudden, this this issue that felt sort of at least at arm's length yeah. from New Zealand all of a sudden, we're involved in it now, and we're buying pay per views. We're watching it. You and I are going to talk about it yeah. probably on the show, yeah, uh, quite a bit uh, leading up to it. And we sort of have to wrap our heads around that we have been safely on the outside of this discussion, looking in. Now we're going to be a part of it. How do we deal with that? Well, because you know the the argument against the conventional. Uh, Maybe to bring things back a little bit, when we talk about sports washing, we're talking about the idea that um, countries or companies or organisations um, get involved with sports which have a sort of tribal following from people in order to distract attention from, quote-unquote, bad things that they might be doing in their ordinary line of business. And and to leverage the... The, the positive effects yeah. of, of events and and teams and and sports fandom. Yeah. The the argument that pushes against that narrative is the idea that um, it's sort of a, f- a form of like um, imperialism or shutting the door 
after the horse is bolted, you know, that there are these organisations like the PGA or the English Premier League or whatever that have enjoyed the positive press from this stuff for dozens and dozens and dozens of years. They also do bad things as well. Um, now, if, if, if Abu Dhabi wants to hold a Formula One race or host a bunch of boxing matches uh, and they've got the money to do so and to pay the athletes and the athletes want to go there, then what's the harm? It's hypocritical to, to, be, to be against it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's not as easy as just being saying, like, okay, we don't agree with the, the law that's happening in these countries, well, you know, in Saudi, let's just not, not engage in this whole, whole sort of thing because, you know, money talks. It's happening. We're going to be involved in this this year. You know, our jobs are going to be involved about talking about sports events mm. in these parts of the world. So it's it's a tough one, and it makes you kind of look back at things that happened in the old days. And you can go even further back. I mean, the the most OG sports washing of all time was the 1936 Olympics yeah, right. with um, old Hitler. With, with that uh, Hitler, yeah, hosted in Essentially making it a gigantic advertisement for his regime. Uh, and the irony of that is that pretty much all of the way that the Olympic opening ceremonies and pageantry is structured is based on what happened mm. uh, in that in that in that uh, that Olympics. And so even something as evil as that and that's been as flushed into the, that corner of history still has its its remnants. And that's how far it can go because, you know, we like lighting torches at the start of the Olympics. We like letting off doves and, and, and things like that. Uh, and even though that's where it's got the, got its roots. So it, it just goes to show just how just pervasive the whole thing is mm -hmm. and and how far it's not just a bit – you're not able to just sort of shut the whole thing, the whole thing down. Well, one thing that is happening that, that I've been very interested in, though, is um – I follow football very closely, um, as listeners will come to know. And last year, the Saudi Arabian Football League really started to get involved in, in football and buying lots of very famous, very expensive players. And um, there was a lot of chat around the football world about what this was going to mean for football internationally because the sorts of wages that they were paying blew even the English Premier League wages out of the water. But now, just six months on from lots of those transfers, a lot of those players are leaving Saudi Arabia, sometimes foregoing massive mm. pay packets to, to do so. Why do you think that's happening? Yeah, well, I mean, the probably because a guy like Jordan Henderson, who's placed for England, uh, came from the Premier League, probably, you know, walked away from a very, very big pay packet. Oh, I would have been that on £200,000 a week. A yeah, yeah. yeah. I, lo I love, also, just as an aside, I love, I love the way that football is the only <laughs> job in the world where your salary gets broken up into weekly increments. <laughs> <laughs> and it still sounds like you get yeah, paid pretty Exactly, well, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, to go get paid probably five times as much a week uh, playing in Saudi Arabia. Uh, of course, he was widely criticised at the time because, of course, he had to come out and make some sort of rubbish statement that he was doing it because he wanted to um, uh, spread his love of football in the region, which is obviously nonsense. Uh, and then I think it was, yeah, after about six months of uh, after being there, he realised he didn't really like playing in front of 50 people mm. in a gigantic empty cavernous stadium because the Saudi Premier League can buy all the players at once, but it can't buy crowds, mm. you know. Uh, and the standard of football is, is pretty pretty poor, obviously. 
at the moment because they haven't managed to buy everyone else uh, in the in the Premier League. So, yeah, I think that the experience uh, that Henderson got made him realise, and probably um, a lot of the correspondence he would have been getting from his former teammates, mm. his family, that sort of thing. You know, just being like, "Man, what are you doing?" Mm. And he's left, and he's and he's yeah, he's walked away from literally like hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm. Uh, to he's signed with Ajax. Gone with Ajax. Yeah, I expect to back. So he couldn't even get back into the Premier League. Mm. Like, so that's going to kind of cost him as well, because now his. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it to know like whether his spot in the national teams in jeopardy. He's still getting perked, but I'd, yeah. I'd be surprised if he's thirty three now. Yeah, if you're outside of the Premier League, yeah. you're not. You know, you have to be pretty special to be. Mm. You know, still be like looking at a. Uh, an English, you know, national team call up. So, so yeah, it's it's it, and also, I mean, just reputationally, mm. like no matter what he'd done, he's always going to be not, like this is the defining point um, of his career. And it's interesting though because I was having a discussion about this someone the other day about like, oh, you know, has this happened in the past? Like, has anyone ever like t- had this much of a full race? You must have watched the damn United, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know one of the great football films. Of time. Well, that's what happened to Don Revy yeah. at the end of this. Like he took the money, he went to Saudi Arabia, got himself embroiled in some match fixing allegations, and that ruined his career as well. So he could have quite learned from the past on this one, I think. Sometimes it's not being not good to be the canary in the coal mine. Um, <laughs> let's move on to let's talk league actually, just quickly and. Well, I mean, last year was the year of the Warriors, but I guess the challenge is um, capitalising on that and making sure it's not a flash in the pan. And what was your assessment on on how they are doing that in terms of their brand? Mm, mm. I think, well, well, really quickly, like on the field, I think that you're looking at actually even better team than it was last year. They've made some, uh, they made a really good signing in Kurt Capewell, so who's going to shore up the middle of the park there. There's the only big question marks over Adam Fenor Blake and whether his motivation levels are going to be right after the drama that he had um, cutting his contract short. But I think that Capel will be able to do the work if Fenor Blake does decide to pack it in and or phone it in, rather, um, for the rest of the season. But I reckon, yeah, off the field, they're really onto something. Now. Yeah. Like, I think that Warriors fever hasn't been this high since... You know, they probably first made the Early grand days. final. Yeah, yeah. You know? Stacey and, Jones. And yeah, that. yeah. And it just comes down to three words, man. Up the was. <laughs> and I mean, I know it's just it's January, but I mean, let's just get it, rip into it now. Like, just because I went, I went over for that game, that, um, the last game of the season over in Brisbane. And I've never been to a sporting event like that mm. before where like, a, a group of New Zealanders had really kind of invaded a place. Maybe Boxing Day Test. Uh, in 2019 mm. was like that as well uh, and the fact that they'd managed to boil the whole thing down and this is what's great this is what there's people that understand advertising that you just boil everything down to a slogan mm. and it just encapsulates the whole thing and while it kind of started out as a joke it does kind of mean that like you know you you're, you're just pledging your undying loyalty to something mm-hmm. just by saying like three words yeah. you know it, it just means that everyone knows everything about you and they've just got lightning in a bottle with that mm-hmm. you know the New Zealand rugby would kill for something like this mm-hmm. and it means it's going to mean that the first game you know coming up in March against the Sharks round one it's going to be full mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what's going to happen in the game because the next game is going to be full as well mm-hmm. and it's all we're going to be hearing 
uh, for the rest of the year is up the wires. It is. Very quickly, a couple of minutes left, and let's talk cricket, because um, the Black Caps have been on free-to-air TV, and that is a big move. Mm. It's exposed them to a massive audience, mm. but I guess the logic of signing up with a you know, pay TV company is that you get some dollar-dollar bills in the bank. Well, interesting you, you raise that point, uh, because from what I understand, TVNZ did pay overs for their uh, their broadcast deal okay. yeah. for it. Uh, however, I think that they're getting their money's worth because of, also from what I hear, the numbers have been very, very good. Yeah. And if you look back to where cricket was 25 years ago when domestic games would sell out, inbound tours would, would always sell out, that sort of thing. It's really taken a bit of a drop-off in the, in the last sort of couple of decades. Mm-hmm. And it's a shame because over the last 10 years, the – Black Caps have been Unbelievable. really good. Yeah. It's ironic um, that the season that they, they've kind of reached the end of that era, Is this it's on free-to-air TV. Uh, they've got tons of families and kids coming in. And also, uh, it's a great lineup. Like They've yeah. got South Africa coming in as well, and then uh, there's a couple of tests against Australia. And these tests against Australia, they're as rare as... Like, Hens teeth, eh? Well, we don't play Australia often at it's, all. It's uh, five years since the last time we played them. Mm. So, you know, it's it's great for cricket, uh, uh, but at the same time, yeah, it is kind of ironic. There's massive interest in it at a time when the Black Caps are just kind of falling off the pace a little bit. And it's unfortunate because the coach, Gary Stead, said today he had to temper the public reputation, said, I don't know if you can expect us to win all these tests. <laughs> I'm like, well, mate, well, why are you playing? <laughs> I mean, they have already sold them out. So, oh, that's, I, I know that the Basin Reserve Test uh, against Australia has sold out, oh, uh, which, is, which is going to be awesome. What uh, a cricket ground it is! Well, it's a home of cricket, in my <laughs> opinion. Um, I love it. I love the way that making fun of other people's cricket grounds or saying that you, your hometown's cricket ground is the last kind of mm-hmm. parochial uh, thing you can get away with without getting cancelled in this country. <laughs> Jamie Wall, it's been really lovely chatting to you today, even though the greatest cricket crown of this country is, of course, the University Oval.